0: Hello, Basic Brown Nerds. This is your host, Joy Valerie, and I know it's been a while since we last spoke. You know, I am a one-woman show. Like, I am running this whole thing on my own, and I have my company, my agency, Carrera Digital, and launched another project, Filled With Joy, where I'm helping folks figure out how to actually create online and create small businesses. And so I've been a little busy because, you know, it's 2020, there's a pandemic, we need to pay these bills. But... I am really excited to share with you that we are launching our crowdfund on iFundWomen Basic Brown Nerds to keep creating these episodes weekly and, you know, beef up our blog, bring on a team, because your girl is tired. I am so tired. But we also will have amazing sponsors. I am committed to only working with social impact businesses, especially with black and brown owned businesses. So I'm really excited today because this episode is made possible because of Snowball Wealth, which was created by a fellow basic brown nerd, Tanya Menendez. And I am really excited for this. We're going to get to know more about Money in this episode. So, this episode, we are talking with Delano Sapporo, and we are going to be talking about generational wealth, about investing, about understanding money and our finances. I know that's something that we all want to learn more about in 2020. And, you know, maybe that's something we were just like, yeah, I kind of have control over it, but you put it in the back burner. And then, as we are learning, it is more about ownership and understanding that money is really just a tool to get us places, to get us access, and to keep building communities like this that are impact-driven. So without further ado, I'm really excited to introduce you to my financial advisor and now friend, Delano Sapporo, and thank you for Snowball Wealth for sponsoring this episode. You can find out more about them at asksnowball.com BBN. And we're going to tell you more about them in our break. I'm really excited to introduce you and to have you on the podcast for Basic Brown Nerds, because you are a Basic Brown Nerd. Yeah. I like to own the basicness. Do you <laughs> like
1: brunch? I'm getting more accustomed to it now that I live in New York. Okay. I think it's a thing we have to do. Is sure.
0: that a New York thing?
1: Like what? a big city thing, for sure, I feel like. I
0: don't know. I'm suburban. I I so be, maybe, but... <laughs> I feel it makes sense. I'm like, if we like brunch and we just want to enjoy life, embrace the basic things of life, but I feel definitely to get there we need to just keep building up our communities and that's something that we connected with when we first talked we were all about breaking generational curses and building up generational wealth and i know we both talked and we were just like going into prayer mode and we're just like amen but i feel like this is something that in both of our communities right like black brown immigrant you said your parents immigrated here right yeah from nigeria yeah i've been connecting a lot with nigerians and i feel like it's We have a lot in common, like Latino families and stuff,
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) but I think we have shared immigrant experiences that cross us throughout different nationalities, ethnicities, races, and that's something that we can all bond together and we are more intersectional and have more in common than different. And so I'm really excited to introduce Delano Samporo, founder and fiduciary financial advisor, and you're a Minnesota native yeah. with your MBA from Chicago University.
1: Booth, yeah. Chicago Booth School of Business, yes.
0: And previously working at Credit Suisse and before you opened your own company, New Street Advisors. And I've been working with you and learning a lot more and getting more aggressive in investing and securing my financial stability, not just for mm-hmm. myself, but for my family. And I think it's something that we need to talk more of within our yeah. communities, mm-hmm. especially Now, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the investment space and working in Wall Street.
1: First of all, thank you for having me on this Basic Brown Nerds live podcast, which I'm very excited for. I've never done a live podcast before. And thank you for everybody joining in. Obviously, we all have things we're doing during this quarantine time, but it's great to connect, keep building. I love to do things like this where we can all talk and be in community and learn from each other. So thank you guys all for, for joining in. And yeah, like Val said, I want to dive into the origins of where I started. So obviously we're going way back. My parents came from Nigeria, but I'm born and raised in Minnesota and always was always a kid that loved sports. I was nerdy. I was nerdy, very nerdy and I still am. But I love sports and I loved just being type A when it came to schoolwork. And so when I was playing no sports in high school, I ended up getting a chance to play in college. Uh, So I got to play college football. Uh, But I was thinking of a major. My dad was like, "Uh, why don't you just look into investments? He knew I liked money because one time when I had to write a story for school, I wrote a story about how I would create a pop machine in my room and make everyone pay to get pop. And I already had some sort of weird business mindset at like three, four, whatever age that was what third, fourth grade. So I had business mindset at that time. So I didn't know what to to do for my major, but my dad was like, you should look into investments and finance. I was like, all right, let me look into it. So that's like kind of what got me on my path. Um, I started majoring in that. And as time went on, I started learning that those are the classes I found most interesting. We did a stock investing challenge, which was a paper trading challenge in, in college where it was just paper fake money, obviously. And I got like third or place or something. And it was really just like exhilarating me to understand that this is an area where if you're talking about generational wealth, although there are things that people start at different different areas in life, there's if there's a way for you to catch up based on grit, making smart decisions um, and doing things that, and maybe a little bit of luck too, but doing some things you can catch up. After taking those classes in college, I really started to get such a, a very fervent, you know, passion for finance. And that's what led me to go to work in finance after I graduated. And from there, I was like, all right, I was sitting at a desk in Iowa, I was a commercial credit risk analyst. I was like, this is cool, but it's not challenging enough, one, I'm not getting compensated enough, too. So I was like, let me look for a way to do that. So I started searching online. And that's where I literally found out about about investment banking and corporate finance. I didn't really know what was going on in New York. You Wall Street people over here, if you're in New York, I was like, what are these people doing out there? I was like, oh, these people are making X amount of money doing this and that, and they're working all these hours, they're doing these transactions. What's going on in this intricate world of corporate finance? And so that's what made me go to get my MBA, because I knew there's only a couple ways to get into that path. You either network your way in, which is super hard if you don't have a network in there, or you go and get an MBA. So I chose the MBA route. went to University of Chicago Booth, did my MBA there. And from there got into Credit Suisse. And then really just started my path of like, all right, I'm here, but I know I can service people in a better way. I can one, bring literacy and finance to, people are in our network, people in our age range, depending on what your age you are, that really want it. I noticed that Wall Street focuses on Main Street only when it matters. Meaning when Main Street is older and has a decent amount of assets that need help, or they're already in an affluent position. So I was like, you know what? We need to bring New Street Advisor Group, which is the name of my firm. We need to bridge that gap earlier. So that's why I started a firm where I work with people of all age ranges, people of all asset sizes. But really, it was just born out of me seeing what was going on at Wall Street and seeing how I can actually make a difference, seeing where people wanted help. I was just all people in my network, Hey, okay, They just want to learn more about finance. Everyone wants to learn about it. It's a weird thing where we don't talk about it until we needed to, but we all want to learn about it. We all want to know. We have a decent handle on things. And so that's where it turned in for me to say, hey, I could be a registered fiduciary advisor to help people um, go along that journey of figuring themselves out when it comes to, to personal finance.
0: Money in general is very scary for people to talk about because they don't understand money. If you grow up low income, first gen, a lot of us have this like very negative relationship to money that it was like, oh, because I didn't have enough. I didn't have these opportunities. And we have to start thinking as ourselves, as empowered. And how do we empower our communities? And that is through money. I think a lot of us have come from backgrounds where our wealth was literally stolen we don't even know who most of our ancestors are mm-hmm. like I can count back only to my living ancestors and even through that I was having a conversation with my family and we realized like we had lost inheritance and with that you lose a lot of knowledge right like, knowledge is power and power brings wealth so that's how I see it and I know that's like an amazing thing that you're doing is getting people more comfortable but one thing that I definitely wanted to talk more about is the fiduciary thing like what yeah. does that mean what is it really that you do because when I think of investment and working with somebody I think while it's going to be hella expensive it's also just Mm -hmm. going to be for people that like they have a lot of money and Mm -hmm. like these big guys in suits versus an everyday type of person I was working a lot with the Robin Hoods of the world like gambling and then even today we saw that there was a whole incident with people just playing with it not realizing this is real money and instead of paper trading and there are a lot of apps to simulate that and yeah so I think that's definitely like one of the things that we can start. And I know yeah. I asked a bunch of questions. I'll yeah, keep asking I, as we go.
1: <laughs> I think the first thing on the fiduciary aspect, 100%. So people under the, when I have a conversation with someone the first time, I talk to them about a few things. One being understanding under the financial advisor umbrella, there's like fiduciary investment advisors who I have a series 65 certification, which kind of delineates me on a registered investment fiduciary advisor. There's people that are brokers, which again, not saying it's, bad per se, but they do have a different incentive package, meaning they get compensation based on selling you a certain products, right? They have different mm-hmm. uh, compensation based on certain products. So if they can sell you a product, an annuity contract, they're gonna make like a huge commission off of that, like 50K. So they're gonna try to push that into your package no matter what, because they know that's where they make the big like, term life contract too. I don't have any insurance licenses. So fiduciary aspect comes in with aligned incentives, work in your best interest legally and ethically, meaning we have tied aligned incentives. So that's definitely um, the fiduciary aspect. And that's what the way I operate. So you'll see brokers that have usually a different licensing. It's it's usually a 63 and seven licensee or something of those nature. And you could, there's like a finracheck.org is the name of the website where you could check people and they'll have everything as far as their, uh, for brokers, for investment advisors, it's investment advisory public disclosure. That site shows where we are registered investment advisors are. and We file stuff annually saying our everything, disclosing everything about the individual that runs the firm and the firm itself, the compensation structure, everything is delineated in there. So. It's that's an aspect for fiduciary. Your second question, it was along the lines of Robinhood. Yes, Robinhood trading.
0: Yeah, yeah like all these robo investing the reason that i love working with you is because you're also like educating as you go and i'm also like oh yeah obviously they want to try to make the most out of everything but i think a lot of us are dabbling our feet and i think personally like i was like oh robin hood has a really nice ui and i'm always like yeah everybody and then learning more and more like it, it's crashed twice already because everybody's trying to get on it now but i definitely think what do you think about robo investment yeah. or how do people get started too yeah.
1: Yeah, great question. So I think the big thing for me is I want people to use what's most comfortable for them. But I will say, yeah, even if let's take Robin Hood, for example, we saw the article, a young man took his own life because he was trading on Robinhood and he saw that he had a negative balance of XYZ um, of 700,000. And he obviously took his own life because of that detrimental thing that he saw. And And that was because he was doing something where he was, he was trading and, and kind of messing around in strategies he didn't really fully understand. They are saying that he may not have actually been negative that amount, that he should have waited until things settled. And so what's what you happening with Robinhood, these different things, I think there's an advent. Everyone has a perspective and an angle that they're coming from this. So when you have a lot of coaches uh, which aren't bad but they're preaching or practicing like you can trade learn these complex strategies super quick which you really can't right like these strategies one in 20 people are profitable day trading and that's Mm -hmm. taking all the people that are super experts at this that have the best technology have this uh, stuff and with robin and so when you're talking about these complex strategies it's really hard to be great at and to be good at and then robin also people don't know that they're just selling The way they make money, there's commission free, yeah, but they're selling all their trades to hedge funds. So they're actually taking the trades that people are doing. You got people that are using Robinhood, whoever's using them, and they're selling that off to the hedge funds. The hedge funds are aggregating that data, seeing where the retail investors are trading and they're making counter trades, make out that. So you're gonna, these people are gonna get crushed by these big hedge funds that have much more capital that are using (laughs) your information to trade because they're gonna go encounter do what they're getting your information, their data from your trades and Robinhood selling it to Citadel to all these big hedge funds. That's if you look at it in their disclosure, they that's how they make their money. They sell your trades pretty much, the, the data that you're trading. So that's so how, what
0: is what does that mean? Is that basically you're telling them like this is our buyer behavior and they exactly. should like so then they're like, oh this is what everyone's doing. Let's buy it. So you're not really buying it right there, there and then? You,
1: you are one hundred percent buying it, but Robinhood is then T- taking that data okay we had this amount of people buy it this this amount and they're selling it to uh, the hedge funds so yes you are 100 percent buying it but they're taking the data all the aggregated data of who's buying and selling what and they're selling it off to the hedge funds and the hedge funds take that data and they're really smart people so they're using it to whether it do counter trades or ride momentum but they're using it to make themselves money off of your data oh
0: that makes sense oh my god yeah that's actually from when i look at it from the tech perspective i'm like that's and and i did ad tech where we did buying and selling of things and i'm like oh you literally have a whole market research because you're like everyone's buying this i know what i need to sell right exactly Um, and that's to say i think that's and i've been trying to push this more whenever something is free you are most likely the product so that's something to keep in in mind as well i think it's following the money right <laughs> Follow yeah. like who's profiting i didn't know that i didn't even think about that yeah. i just know like a lot of friends that i have that are in finance were just like stop it
1: i think people could use it. a lot of people want to learn about this stuff and use what you yeah. want to learn. i think if you want something that's dedicated the way i operate is obviously I invest for people long-term. So it's more retirement accounts. It could be individual accounts, brokerage accounts. We are trying to look at a long-term perspective. Let's get you to a retirement number based off sound strategy, diversification, and really rebalancing when you the time is right. And that's based off research that I'm doing.
0: I know a lot of us, especially like first gen folks whose parents came here like hustling, They, we haven't learned about finance. We don't know about savings account, retirement. That's not even something we think about long-term. So I definitely would love to talk more on that. How do we start even thinking investment and and even just start anywhere? If you're just like, oh my God, I'm a hot mess. What's the first thing that you should start thinking of in order to start thinking long-term? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, you hit it on the head, long-term thinking and planning is the way to go first things first which is like the basic is I always have that emergency fund which is it could be one to three months, three to six months depending on what you want to have and next it is thinking long term you're thinking long term you want to think about investing for the future so if you look at the stock market generally between eight to ten percent on average return average annually return so that means some years it's up some years down if you look at the history of it you're getting eight to ten percent on average so That's a pretty big indicator for thinking long-term. So if I pulled up like a investment calculator and right now just plugged in, what if I started with $5,000 in an investment retirement IRA, a retirement account and added like a hundred bucks per month, uh, at a 12, at a conservative 8% return, and then doing this for 20 years, we're all young here. I'm assuming that if not, that's okay. Doing this for 20, 30 years, what would that give me? So look at that, look at that capital amount. So now if you're someone that wants to retire and you have a lifestyle that you want to retire in you want to think about okay is this enough to fit that lifestyle how much am i going to spend say we have we spend 25 years in retirement how much am i going to spend per year is it 40k per year 20k per year and then obviously that money you're putting in safe investments maybe you're getting two or three percent on it um, at that time so that's how you want to think about the long term so the starting is really just getting set up I, the biggest, the hardest thing for people to do is just start with something. So that's why when I, people, there's no minimums, there's no amounts that you have to like do. I don't like to say, let's just get you the ball rolling, get you thinking about that. So change your mind. We have to change our mindset into thinking of that's farther down the line. I don't need to worry about that now. That's how a lot of people end up in a situation where they're just, they should have been doing stuff so much earlier. The math is so clear on starting earlier. And that's all depending on situations, right? We could be in a startup where we're really pushing to do something, we're putting money in our own business, but just taking a little bit of a step and just starting right away as soon as possible is like the best thing to do when it comes to this long-term thinking. So starting earlier, refiguring your mind, think, all right, let's start, let's start with this now. To saving is, is a huge thing, it's saving and like, and, and trying to make it a, p- a habitual saving amount is huge. So when you're doing those things, that's really going to be able to set your mindset into lots of things. You just have to let it automatically flow um, and let yourself get into that habitual mindset and then it really flows from there
0: and I think one of the things that I was trying to explain even to my family is why don't we just put it in a savings account and I'd been even doing that where I was like I have these high yield savings accounts in the last couple years they've started just like the percentage starts going down right now I think that they're down to one percent I had a Chase Bank account before and not to knock Chase but that's 0.101 percent like interest accruing and I think like One thing that I've been explaining, I'm not a financial expert, that's why you're here. I think about it, I'm like, wait a second, Like, we're telling these banks to hold on to our money and aren't they just making money off of investing it? I think that's one thing to start realizing. It's just like, wait, how are these big companies making their money? And like, why aren't we as direct as possible trying to get those profits, especially now that it's more accessible for people. Um, And that is one thing that I think is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's a true point. So when I like talk to people like, I've actually, I don't even know the breakdown, a lot of my clients obviously rolled things over from other places, but some of the people have been like people that had thousands, hundreds, whatever thousands of cash, just sitting in a bank account and just were scared of investing. They were just like scared off. And I didn't, I couldn't fully understand it at first until we sat down and had conversations with them. But yeah, there is a fear for some people of the market which we want to dispel showing that if you're doing it smart, if you're doing it long-term you're 100% going to be fine. You can do diversification long-term. So I wanna help people that are maybe a little bit worried. The way people get clicks is big headlines. So you're always gonna hear, X, Y, Z, the, the next thing of that, like, this is going to happen. This going not happen. It's always gonna put, put fear in people's mind. That's how, what drives clicks and ads, ad sales. So, um, yep. I, I want, I want it to dispel the bucket. So if you're if someone that's out there, that's worried about that, you definitely want to work someone that can help you walk you through. So when I have talked i someone, I have a whole bunch of different decks that walk through, what's going on in the market. And you
0: have a whole podcast that people can listen to. Exactly.
1: Definitely. You're one of your, your live podcasts where I just really try to talk about different things. So this is such interesting time where I think social media and like people like you that have a platform that are like teaching people things it's going to be, it's super interesting we're going to learn. We should be able to learn a lot more now, like everyone on social media is just you're people are just following their communities that they really connect to, right? There's no longer going to be this like big person that tells us everything. It's going to be everyone's little communities that have what they learn from and where they trust to get information, which I think is pretty cool. And the power of social media, that's an aside, but um, that's why I like the platform you're building with people that are in tech and doing some crazy, really cool things.
0: And I think that's, that goes on to another point, right? I'm a numbers person. Like I love numbers. I can analyze data. I have fun in spreadsheets. Like literally I love it and just seeing the different patterns. But I was always just scared of money. What was powerful for me was like taking away the dollar sign. And I was Mm. like, wait a second, these are all just like math equations. And I think that's something that you start realizing. You're like, wait, if you're investing in, in something simple, right? I grew up pretty poor. I was Mm. like, okay, if I'm going to buy like. Nice shoes, or something. I need to make sure I wear that at least like 10 times to so max out of it. And I didn't realize, wait, that's something that you want to start thinking of when it comes to your finances. Like, how do I make the most out of it? And even being now an entrepreneur, being like, how do I max out and do the most with little? And I think that's something that we want to think about. But also when it comes to the markets and everything, and everyone's all like, oh, the markets and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wait a second, that's just like the mathematical representation of like. P- behavior, right? Buying mm. behavior. So I think I that's, the that. thing. and I don't know if that's right or wrong. Like, mm-hmm. is there anything that you can like add on to like so yeah. people are less scared? I think that's the thing. Yeah,
1: you know, well, you're scared
0: because we don't get it.
1: Yeah, it's one thing about the original point, money is just a resource. Like you, you're hitting on the head. It is just a resource when you strip it all away, obviously people put so much around it when it comes to different ways that in society that people treat you in class and all that, but it's literally just a resource to be able to live the life the way you want. That's the way I've looked at it for years now. It's like a, a resource to live the life the way that you want to, whatever that is. It's not about keeping up with the Joneses type thing. It's just living life the way that you want. And back to your point about the stock market, such a great point. It is buying every time you buy or sell, every time you buy something, you bought it from someone else that sold it to you in the stock market. So it is like you said, the behavior, um, that's why it acts irrationally. Like people are irrational. That's why when people are out here doing all this stuff, it's and doing things, you're not going off of, you can study a lot. You can study and do all this stuff, but it's that's why the behavior of is irrational. There's even a study that shows why people are scared of investing. Sometimes is people have a fear they actually hate um, losing money more than they like gaining money. You know what I'm saying? So if you have 20, you'd rather just keep that in your pocket rather than put in somewhere to actually have an opportunity to make that funds grow. So it's super interesting, like the psychological behavior behind people when it comes to that, Mm -hmm. how we change that is through more education, like learning more, obviously sharing the information that we have. I try to share as much with people, helping people along. Again, that's working with people on this basis, working with people as, as an advisor, but it's super hard. But we have to, also you said, pass it on to the kids. If we're talking about generationally, ha- make sure kids are understanding at an early age. Like, if you look at different people and different demographics, like people are teaching that literacy to their kids or this passed out to them, like, that's how you keep, keep the, the trend going. So you need to, if you, if we have yourself, you're passing that information. So it's gotta be passing it down and a, and a way that people can take it in. Cause it's hard to talk about money. It's like weird people even within families, like no one really wants, it's hard to discuss. So it's got to be a way where it's, I don't know, is it fun to, to, to talk about it or a way that it's like very easy for people to discuss it. So, but that's something that's still its always a thing that is always hanging over people's heads.
0: And now a little break from our sponsors. So today we are talking about generational wealth and if you're like me, you've totally lost track of time and I'm here to remind you that your student loan interest ends at the end of 2020. Yes, I know. I'm scared too. Which means you need a plan. And luckily, our sponsor for this episode, Snowball Wealth, can help you. So Snowball Wealth was founded by a fellow Basic Brown nerd, Tanya Menendez, and can help you make a tangible plan. So go to asksnowball.com slash BBN and sign up for their free custom plans Access to master classes and join the Slack community to support you on your journey. You can find the link in our episode description and in our show notes. And now let's go back to talking about generational wealth. And this is another thing that I definitely would love to talk more about. Even you work with a lot of entrepreneurs, solo entrepreneurs, um, and creatives. And I think we tend to have a higher risk, right? That so we're just like, what do I got to lose kind of thing um, versus a lot of people have that complacency, which is something that it's like, I'd rather just hold on to this. I know it's 20 bucks forever versus I'm going to be like, uh, I'm going to put that on my card because I know that I'm going to make it into like double it and triple it. I definitely have a beautiful credit score. I mm-hmm. had a lot of savings. And then I was like, I'm going to start my own business instead of I wanted to backpack around the world. That was my dream because I had done stints and then I was like, I'm going to spend a year. And I was like, you know what? This is a really great time to start my business like two Mm -hmm. years ago. And it's been like a roller coaster. And I'm sure you're used to working with a lot of people with that. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I never did before, I worked so hard to save in a savings Mm -hmm. account. Now, looking back, I'm like, Silly girl but then I also was like oh I have so much debt like looming debt in student loans and so I worked really hard to try to pay off but not understanding wait I should also invest because I thought like I have to get rid of as much debt and then I start from zero and then I start investing and I love your approach I think a lot of us especially from our community start at like negative zero or you have all these like societal issues that just add on to anything that you can think of even Mm long-term, but I'd love to talk more about your approach when it comes to money. Like Mm -hmm. I know you, I know there's different wordings and it's complicated. So if you could speak a little bit on that into like levels of people that we don't know what the hell you're talking about (laughs) can explain.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, you make a good point. I think back to the debt conversation, everyone has different, like the big thing, yet we have to like introspective on ourselves first. Everyone has different one risk tolerance, that means, like you mentioned, the entrepreneurship versus someone that likes stability um, and needs the stability, whether it's for family or whatever, for themselves. So risk tolerance is a big thing. And then objectives is another thing. It's like, what do we want? Do we want to travel all around the world and have no constraints on what we can spend? Do we want to just have chill place so we can lay back and kick back for our family? That's another thing. Those are the two big things that we have to answer. And then once we can answer that, then we can go into the next step with our monies. All right, now we know we have answered those questions. Now we know what we need to do now when it comes to debt. Yeah. I, I think there's people that listen to these coaches, whether it's Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman, I haven't actually read their stuff, but from what I'm hearing from people that have, it's like, they say, you can't have debt at all before you invest. You have to pay even off your mortgage of your house or something like that. Maybe that could be wrong, but I've heard some sort of things around that lines. And again, I don't think that hundred percent makes sense, right? At the end of the day, whatever strategy someone picks and they implement, great for them. Because if you like a strategy, you're going to go full head into it. But again, if you actually look at the math and for the math whizzes out there, if you look into the math of, if it take student loan, for example, that's, you know, what, five, usually around 5% interest. And we've already just talked about the market giving us possibly eight to 10 on a conservative basis, 10% with real return, meaning dividends reinvested. That means that if you're throwing everything into your student loan path, you could be putting in the market and actually getting that arbitrage of interest rate there that's something we're missing out on. So if you actually look at a student loan debt calculator versus investment calculator, it breaks on the math and it clearly shows that having a balanced proportion of debt pay down and investing makes the most sense, right? To me, that's like what I would do. That's, that makes the most sense. So I'm not a proponent of you have to have no debt before you invest. I just don't think that is a thing to that we have to do, right? To the loan path, everyone, went to school and got student loans because they wanted to better their situation. They wanted to learn a skill. They wanted to get a job. Uh, So it's ROI on yourself. You take a return on investment on yourself. And I 100% believe in myself when I do something. And so the same people that went to school, they 100% believed in yourself when you went to school. So 100% don't feel like debt is crushing you, right? Don't feel like you're under the curb. Pay it off. Be aggressive. Do some sort of method and stick with it, but um, don't be weighed down. If you look at any wealthy person's balance sheet, they all have debt too. So it's only the Susan uh, like like they they all have debt. They do you use other people's money. It's smarter to use someone else's money to fund something than use your own. To be honest, um, as long as you can't don't I want people to understand that situation. Money is again a resource that we're using to better ourselves. We have to be smart. We have to be diligent. We have to have a plan. But we don't want it to beat us up. We have to take control of it.
0: And that could be like a deeper conversation that a lot of us associate our value with like a number. And I think that's what kind of scares us. But also realizing, wait, like it is about stabilizing yourself, but not just for you. Right. Like I want a cabin in the woods. That's all I, I'm content with that. I'm minimalist as hell. But I think it's really like about the the legacy, right? Like we were right. robbed so much. And I know I, I think I shared this fact with you earlier because I've been doing my I've been helping my brother with his history homework, how mm-hmm wall street was literally a slave market right Mm -hmm. from day one and i was like hold up what right and the state that everything's happening right now i was like so you're telling me that enslaved africans literally built the foundation of what we look at today Mm -hmm. looking at oh okay what what indicates how the economy is doing It's that was literally built off of black americans and and i think that's something that we need to start seeing more that we are parts of these institutions as immigrants right that like all labor is built off of immigrant labor really um recently and this is like a little tangent I even went last year to Las Vegas and went to the Hoover Dam and I never think Mm. of like Latinos being part of American history and I started studying Latin American culture and Mm. studying whatnot but I went to Hoover Dam and I was listening to this podcast Latinos Who Lunch they're amazing if anyone wants to listen Mm. but realizing a lot of the people that built those like the dams were literally Latinos that died Mm. right and like Mexican Mm. immigrants people who like the Panama Canal people immigrated from Jamaica. Jamaica there and I think that's what we don't realize is we're not the faces, right? Like we weren't the engineers on them, but we were there doing the actual labor. So when people start thinking, "Oh, this isn't for me," that we're like, "But we're contributing." And the market is literally just looking at how much of the labor economy is work. So everyone's all oh, the market's down and everything. That's yeah, because we're not working. Who's the ones generating all the wealth for everyone? So why are exactly. you bringing it back to us? I don't know what my point was with this. Do you have any comments on this?
1: No, you, you're right. You, I love that. Like the fact that. That's talks about that. And it's true. Like, everyone here listening and whatnot, there's an opportunity to shift, like you mentioned, to shift what's going on. Because it is so hard to talk, like, like explain it, but the structure. Is, like, I worked we have Wall- no
0: filters here. Yeah,
1: no, I've, I have none. Like, I worked on Wall Street. That's the big percent reason why I started my own firm is because, like, I like, I'm not going to be in this hierarchy for the rest of my life, to be yeah. honest. Yeah,
0: if you could tell us more <laughs> about that. I just imagine this, like, what I've seen in movies and it's yeah, just all these, exactly. like, nerdy white guys, Chandler, <laughs> nobody, nobody <knows laughs> is from Friends.
1: <laughs> a lot of those people, man, and, and, like, they're... It's a system and it's set up to be, like, a harsh environment. It's set up to be a non-inclusive environment and it's set up to be a place where... It's just cutthroat, which is fine. I love cutthroat because I know I'm one of the best at what I do, but it's just like the fact that when you're in these institutions, like CS credits, I can speak to them because I worked there. The environments are just not conducive for diversity, to be honest. Like it was funny. I, when I left actually, they typically get like one to two minorities in each class. So how it works is an analyst is an undergrad, uh person that's in the investment banking associate is an MBA graduate. That's in investment banking. So I was an associate. They typically take six to eight associates per groups. Like there's a bunch of different groups within a bank, just a bunch of different investment banking groups. I mean, they usually have like one or two minorities. I was the only minority in my group that there was me and six other people. It was, I think it was all men to be honest too. I think was, all of us were men, I think to be, if I'm thinking about yeah. ours, that's so it was not diverse and it's just. You just, and I don't like, you just don't, it, it, there's not like of just of,
0: complete like, only minority, no, were there
1: the group was a group of 75 and there was one other black guy in that he was, um, a VP and I'm trying to think if there was anyone else. And I, I, I can't The
0: fact that you have to think about it. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so it, right there tells you like what it is. Yeah, I'm not someone that cares about that. I want, so I, when I just didn't feel like it was something I wanted to be around, that's why I started my one, left and started my own firm because I was like, I can serve people and do it way better, work on my own, 100% independent. My firm is independent. So there's people that claim to have independent firms, but they work under another, have their own thing under Northwestern Mutual or something or they have. So like
0: they license it in a way? Yeah,
1: they license it. So they pay them to have the name. No, I'm going to hundred percent independent. I set up the structure. There is no person I pay or license. I don't license Schwab as my custodian, but I don't pay them. And my clients don't pay them. The structure again is set up to, they don't want people to realize that they can do things on their own. To be honest, if you're out there listening that you can do all the stuff that they tell you they can't, you don't look to them for some guidance as far as like being a standard of what, what's needed. They're not the standard, especially that's why I love what you do that. Cause like you're, you need to be really embraced as for someone that's doing tech cause tech is probably just as worse as finance i don't even know but it, i'm sure it's, it, it was, it's the same i shit.
0: don't even care anymore like i'm like tell me whatever i haven't heard it i'm just like
1: but <laughs> that's why i don't look like, build them as your <laughs> own we got to build our own we got to change the narrative of who people think to look for expertise in this stuff because they're not experts at any of this stuff a lot of them are asking me kind of things that i've been doing i don't even respond uh when it's come to because i really just want to help the people i want to help so really change the narrative uh, believe in yourselves You're out there, if there's something that you wanted to do 100% go for it don't listen to I don't ask anybody about it either just go for it don't listen to the believe the standards that they they've set that people think is a standard of what it is for expertise in these things 100% not and and we're changing that with this generation I was so happy with the younger generation in all the recent events and the things I was seeing on social media I was like it was crazy to see the younger generation really just no we're slacking <laughs> stepping up and I love that man it's very encouraging but you know that's what i'll say on, on those things
0: yeah no and i think that's something and i've been seeing and not to knock the 19 year old tiktokers that are making money and stuff but i'm like some of them are also just like wait try to do this and like drop ship and stuff and i'm like
1: yeah what do you think about that because that's like super all that e-commerce and drop shipping stuff it's what is that
0: this? is arbitrage that is essentially is arbitrage drop? <laughs> oh drop shipping okay we're gonna, I, know I
1: don't know i would know like, is this
0: this is how all of uh, businesses make their money. They buy either wholesale or one at a time. So wholesale would be if, for example, I'm gonna have basic browners, merch, basic Everybody go look at it, but right. So you can either buy in wholesale where you're just like, let me buy 50 shirts get the design, front the money, and then I'm going to sell it. Because if you buy it in wholesale, you might get everything like a shirt costs you $5, I can sell it for 10. And then you know that then I make the the $5 profit margin. So the difference between drop shipping is okay, I'm not going to print out in bulk, I'm going to do it one at a time. So that means I'm going to maybe pay a little bit more, maybe I'm going to pay $8. But I'm going to also just send that purchase To somebody else and they're gonna send it out for me so -hmm. then i make a two dollar margin so i didn't have to front the cost i also Mm -hmm. didn't have to print out everything i didn't have any loss because then it's just like percentage, right? So it's really a revenue model where you're just making a percentage of each sale. So that's the whole drop shipping thing. And it is simple now to set up, but I think there's a whole problem with that in the sense that I'm very like trying to do fair trade as much as possible, but also direct to consumer. I think that's the cool part where you could just be like, Delano, you have a shirt company. Actually, my parents have a shirt company and you could be like, okay, um, we're, how about I drop ship with you? I send you the order, you get the percentage. I know exactly where the money is going to. Because yeah. the way that people are making a lot of money off of this is they're, they're shipping from like China or they're going to other places and you don't know the labor practices. So I think that's the issue with it because now it's just a lot more expectation and less people caring about who's involved. And I'm very much, wait, we can use this to our benefit because then it's, we're cutting out all the middle people. You yeah. don't have to go through the same thing that Gap is doing, you now can do. So I think that's how you leverage these systems. But I'm seeing a lot of younger kids doing. My sister just set up a little shop for her dog. And actually, my mom and her are sewing bows. But we have a cousin that does wholesale shirts, too. So he's actually the printer. He owns the company. And I think that's something when we're talking more about money and finances, I think it's like understanding who does it and how do we contribute? Because maybe I don't have an IPO or anything, but it's like when you buy from someone you are also investing in them because they can then use that money to continue their business so that's saying this is my vote like i trust you here's i bought my ten dollar thing from you that's ten dollars that goes versus like ten dollars from i don't know some mega corporation that's like nothing right that's a drop in the bucket for them versus a small person i think i've seen this quote that every time you buy from a small business they do a little happy dance but it's true it's very true i'm just like Thank you. But I think that's something that we need to think of more that we're investing with our money. And I'm I'm all about like Robin Hooding everything, right? Mm -hmm. Where I'm just like, okay, fine. We're going to get into investing into like the markets that exist Mm -hmm. so that we can profit to build our own stuff. So I think that's the other thing to think about it. And it's yes, sometimes you do have to compromise a little, but it's end goal. But I'm just like, this is what we're investing in. And I know you very much talk about what are your interests? What are you like? We talked about everything, but thinking about what is it that you value? And that's something that I appreciate with you is that you you think about the person's values and like yeah. what they're going to invest in as well
1: you make a super good point about th- setting up the business yourselves and setting up things yourselves and getting involved in those th- practices all these young kids are doing those things i've heard all i see on twitter too they're drop shipping selling books on how to drop ship different things, that i'm trying to really understand it but yeah you're making a good point. buying local supporting small business support what you believe in like partnering with people <laughs> partner with what you believe in 100 this is the most fun i had is just being able to partner with and talk to and do things that I 100% I don't do anything now that i don't freaking believe in or want to do that's and the same thing with, you, with your money like you people talk about it putting your money behind things that you believe in whether it's investing in companies that you believe in or not only the growth prospects but maybe aligns with your values but that's something that you can definitely do especially i something that i do with people is make sure that they're putting their money in things that they believe in if there's a company that they don't like or an industry like a lot of people hate the oil and gas industry you know, i totally understand i'm not even invested in those companies i don't know who is days. Uh, that's again. That's something that uh, 100% I, I believe in is understanding the person. So I'm not going to do anything that my clients value-wise don't agree with. We, we had to be aligned on that front.
0: Yeah, because if you're giving them your money, you're saying like, here you go. I'm funding more of this. So I think that's something to, to definitely talk more about. And I think just we've touched on a lot of great things. And just to wrap it up, I think... What can people take away that they can do today? If they're just overwhelmed, what would you say?
1: Great, great point. I think starting now is being introspective. like the the hardest thing is asking ourselves the questions, like what how we tracked our spend expenses? How we tracked how much we're spending? Do we have emergency fund? And that's what I do people. If you want to have a chat with me, it's only 30, 20 minutes, the first chat, we just sit down and we're like, all right, what's the situation? I just ask, like, what are you been currently doing with your, with your situation? Have you X, Y, Z? And people love, I don't know if it's me or people have no problem. Talk to me about everything, which I love. That's my job. And it's easy for us to discuss these things. I, I want no judgment in the way I discuss with people. I don't want you to feel any type of judgment for any sort of situation you have. I literally don't, don't judge people. And we really just here to learn and work together. So we're, they're asking the tough questions about ourselves, being introspective, Two is realizing there's a light at the other side of the tunnel. So everyone thinks that their, their situation is like so horrid, but no, there is not as bad as you think. Nothing's ever as bad as you think or as great as you think. If you really can get on the other side. It's just setting a plan and being accountable to it. So then I ask you like, what is the next step, or what do you want? So the first thing is understand where you sit and then understand what you want. And if you can figure out those things, understand where you currently sit, understand what you really want for your life not based on someone else not based on what other people around you have based on what you actually want um we can get to the other side together like i can help you get to their side but it's just really being introspective understand your current situation and really those one two three four long-term goals that you have for yourself that'll be it so if you're like out there listen what can i do now write down your current situation a personal balance sheet boom, here's my cash assets. This is my stuff. This is my debt. This is my lab. Google
0: sheet, notebook.
1: Exactly. exactly. And then boom, right underneath that, just put your goals. What do you want? Five, 10, 15, 20 years from life. How does your life look? What is your, what does that picture look like for you? And then once you have that start, it's not hard to, you know, get to the next steps, which is just like being diligent and being accountable.
0: I know you have a podcast that people can find it. What's the name of it? And where can they find you and reach out?
1: Of course. Thank you. Podcast is your money, your life podcast. It's on Apple, Spotify. Just got a new graphic. I'm upgrading life. <laughs> microphone graphic. We're trying, microphone now. <laughs> trying to get on Val's level when it comes to content. And then yeah, reach out to me on Instagram. My Instagram is Delano. So if my name is D E L A N O dot S A P is in Peter. O R U. Yeah. And I'm on Instagram. I'm on every social media, social uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, literally just follow me. And if you follow me, Uh, If you're following the company, New Street Advisors Group, that's the name of my company. And we have an Instagram, social, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. Give me a follow, I might shoot you a message and say, hey, how are you? Do you have questions? Shoot me a message.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Basic Brown Nerds. I have been struggling to put myself out there again. I know there's so much going on. So if you listened and you listened the whole way through, please tag me on Instagram. I am at joyvalerie with two E's. And on Twitter, you can find me, DM me, tell me what you think. And you could also follow what's going on with Basic Brown Nerds at Basic Brown Nerds on Twitter and Instagram. And you know, if you really want to support this and make sure that I keep pushing this out weekly because this is not cheap. You know, I have a lot of things going on, but I love doing this. I love bringing stories to people and especially being a bridge for you to connect with other amazing basic browners that I know personally and are doing amazing things in STEAM, science, the arts education engineering and mathematics because i'm a nerd and but i also like brunch and if you want to support us you can go to our I Women campaign the link is in our episode description or become a patron of the show to get early access to our episodes and video content so thank you. And the, the best thing actually you could do is leave us a review on Apple or wherever you listen and share our episodes with a friend. Keep letting people know that we're out there. This is an indie production, aka I'm doing this whole thing and I need to bring on people that are going to help and I need to pay them. So keep supporting this work. Keep sending sponsors our way and keep subscribing to the episode next week. I'm really excited to keep bringing you more amazing people that you should know about. Thank you so much. Until next time.